0: You are listening to the Wesley Seminary Podcast out of Wesley Seminary at IWU. Your host today is Dr. Aaron Perry, Assistant Professor of Pastoral Care. Awkward silence. Angry outbursts. The silent treatment. Hopefully, none of those things will mark your Thanksgiving or Christmas dinners with family, perhaps that you see consistently, or perhaps with family that and friends that you only see once or maybe twice a year. But inevitably, those things erupt. And sometimes they erupt because we talk about things that aren't supposed to be talked about. We talk about things that people say, just keep those things to yourself, right? Just keep those opinions to yourself. The problem, of course, is that sometimes those things that we're not supposed to talk about are those things that are up front in our culture and on the news, or they're really important to us. And to share part of our life and who we are, we need to talk about them. Hopefully we can help you to avoid some of that silent treatment or, or angry outbursts or the eerie silence that can come about whenever those kind of taboo subjects come about during these uh, really important and meaningful family times. And to do that today, our guest today is Dr. Christina Cleveland. Dr. Cleveland is a sociologist. She has a PhD in social psychology earned from UC Santa Barbara. She is associate professor of the practice of organizational studies at Duke University's Divinity School. And I think most clearly about Dr. Cleveland, Christina, is that she integrates. From her website, she writes this, I integrate. Justice and reconciliation, hope and lament, social social psychology and theology, research and practice, pro-blackness and pro-humanity, truth and love, and contemplation and action. In pursuit of a new reality in which all people have an empowered seat at the table, and there is no longer us and them, but simply us. It's a treat for me to have Dr. Cleveland and Christina on the show today. The language of us and them reminds me of one of the texts that, I, that uh, Dr. Cleveland has written called Disunity in Christ, which is always a consistent discussion starter in one of the classes I teach here at Wesley Seminary, and we hope that she will be a resource to you listeners today to help you with some of those holiday conversations that are just around the corner. So welcome, Christina.
1: Thank you. It's wonderful to be here.
0: Now, what came across my desk that absolutely showed me that this could be a very valuable conversation for our listeners was what you had written called Eight Tips for Difficult Conversations Over the Holiday Table. Can you start out by kind of giving us what what prompted you to write uh, these tips, and then we'll dive into what some of those tips are. So what prompted you to write this article?
1: You know, a lot of it comes from um, personal experience with students and also from research. Um, so on the personal side, I've learned that a lot of my students don't, um, don't talk to their parents, grandparents, great uncles about the personal transformation that they might be experiencing as they go to um, university or graduate school and they encounter people who are different than them, beliefs that are different than what they were raised with. Etc. cetera, so they're kind of going on this journey, um, but no one's uh, they're not communicating this journey to those back at home because they're afraid of what will happen, they've been taught. You don't talk about things like, you don't talk about politics, you don't talk about race, you don't talk about religion, <laughs> and so um, if, if there has been a change or there's been some revelation um, because of the more diverse experiences They've had, they tend to hold those to themselves. And I actually, a few years ago, um, was trying to teach my reconciliation students how to have conversa- difficult conversations with family members. And they all assured me, oh, Dr. Cleveland, it'll be so easy to do this. We don't really need to prep. You know, we never talk about race, but it won't be that hard. <laughs> and then over Thanksgiving, I asked them to talk about Black Lives Matter at the Thanksgiving table. (laughs) And they really struggled with that assignment. um, And they found it a lot harder than they thought it would be. And um, so that's the personal experiences I've had. But then also just looking at um, the demographic shifts in our society, it's just much more common nowadays for us to have close family members who really think differently than us about God, about politics, about money, about sexuality, um, that, that we are experiencing so much diversity, um, and in kind of close quarters, people that maybe we were raised with, maybe we don't see them all the time now, but they're people that we, we hold near and dear our hearts. And so um, I thought, why not help people think about this? <laughs>
0: Well, and one of the one of the ways you do that is by empowering. So the very first tip that you've got, the very mm-hmm. first encouragement, is be encouraged that you are probably the best person to talk to your family about politics. Right? Maybe mm-hmm. counterintuitive. Maybe we sometimes think, boy, if if so and so would only learn about or would only hear about, but you're saying you might be that person, right? The the person who's kinda of yeah. like
1: that person. Mm-hmm. Can, you, can
0: you tell us about that?
1: Exactly. Sure, yeah, you know, um, we're not likely to be transformed by people that we don't know. Um, And there's so much social psychology research that shows that simply knowing somebody who um, has an experience that's different than yours is gonna make you so much more likely to be open to that experience. For example, um, research on prejudice against Muslims um, shows that if, you know, me, a non-Muslim, has a family member who comes to me and says, hey, sister, Christina, say my brother comes to me and says, hey, I, um, my roommate at college is Muslim. Let me talk to you about the relationship that I've cultivated with this roommate. Let me tell you about how this has changed my attitude about Muslims, I'm gonna be much more likely to listen to my brother and um, allow his experience to impact my view of Muslims than if I were to read you know, a New Yorker article on how I should change my views on Muslims. So just having that personal connection, that bridge can really help me to soften my attitudes, be a little bit more um, curious, less defensive, um, it's really powerful to see how we can be really impactful in influencing our close loved ones.
0: And yet, following up on that, I appreciate you know the sense of encouragement, empowerment, the the realization that people are more likely to be changed by somebody they know. And hello, they know you, right? But then following up on that, you say to dig deep into humility, um, to recognize that that we come from. Uh, A story we come from postures and positions we've got our own blind spots right how do we balance out that sense of of encouragement (laughs) and courage with humility how do those work together
1: yeah you know I think that the encouragement and empowerment comes from um, this idea that hey my experiences matter Um, my uh, I'm, I'm I've been put in this person's life for a reason, you know, whether it's my uncle or my grandparent or my my parent. Um, And but then there's also a humility that comes from this reality that we're all on a journey. And um, maybe my attitudes towards Muslims have changed or my attitudes towards politics have changed. Um, and I've become more open minded, at least in my characterization. <laughs> um, but that hasn't always been the case. And so to kind of balance those two of realizing, you know, my journey is powerful, my journey is important, but it also is a journey. I don't have all the answers. Um, I'm still um, learning myself. Mm -hmm.
0: How, what might you say to the person who who's kind of getting this sense of, of getting ready for this posture of humility, and yet and yet a kind of determination to, in in an appropriate way? I love the phrase you say, like not to launch shaming grenades, shaming justice grenades, right? Not not <laughs> other people's lives. But they're, they're prepping just to share the journey they're on and what they're learning and what they've come to know and, Mm -hmm. and, uh, what's been helpful and, and, and beneficial to them. And yet they're kind of anticipating the, the harsh reaction, right? They're, they're anticipating the, Mm -hmm. the, the other person that, that boy, what if they don't respond as graciously as I'm trying to speak? How can they, how can they handle, Mm -hmm. uh, whenever they're trying to be gracious, but, but it's less than grace coming back at them?
1: Yeah, you know, I've um I've developed a practice and part of one of my tips is to do some spiritual strength strength training. And so kind of throughout this entire process, I'm I'm constantly thinking, how can I support my own spiritual vitality and vigor in this context? And one of the things that I do that's both empowering to me but also humbling is um, to just do like a really simple breathing meditation where I just um, look at the person or imagine the person that I'm that I'm anticipating and I say the image of God in me greets the image of God in you. Um, the, and I just keep saying that over and over again as I imagine this person and how they're going to respond or how they might not they might surprise me too um, and respond differently than I anticipated. But just getting that close connection, recognizing that we're all one, we're all created in the image of God, we all bear God's image in different ways. Um, and that serves as like a buffer for me, almost like an armor of love, because it reminds me that no matter what happens, I'm created in the image of God and I am good. But then I all, it also, Offers me a little bit of humility, just to remind myself that hey they 're creating an image of God, too there 's no hierarchy here mm. uh, we 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 might be on different th- levels in our journey or different um, points in our journey on this particular issue, but there 's no hierarchy we 're equally bearing God's image, and so um, that, that meditation has just been really helpful for me, and I use it a lot with my students, too, i I get up in the morning before class and see, look at pictures of my students that I've printed out, particularly the ones that are a little bit more difficult, um, <laughs> and, and really remind myself, hey, we're interconnected, and yeah. there's no hierarchy here, yeah.
0: One of the things that you write as well is to remember this isn't the only conversation or interaction you're going to have. Uh, you spin that mm-hmm. in, a, in a hopeful, right? Right. You, you quote uh, Archbishop Oscar Romero who said, we plant the seeds that one day will grow. We water seeds already planted, knowing that they hold future promise, right? I think this is helpful mm-hmm. for me because I remember that even as I'm on a journey, so is another person, and they mm-hmm. uh, their journey may or may not have a key moment in the conversation that we have now. And if it's not a key moment, then then it's okay not to force it, right? You don't have to you don't have to force. Mm-hmm. Uh, turning points in a person's journey. There's a way of, of just learning learning the trek mm-hmm. alongside them or or if they don't want us right at their side to stay in the same company, right? How do we stay in the same company that's journeying together, you know, so to speak, as I play with that metaphor. Uh, I appreciate that optimism and that hope and and I'm going to make it a question of wisdom then. How, how do you discern if it's a good time to have this conversation or if it's time to kind of withdraw, right? Or if, if it's time to, to press mm-hmm. forward or if it's time to withdraw, if it's yeah. time to initiate mm-hmm. or if it's time to wait. How do you discern, you know, the right
1: time? I, that is such a great question. Um, I, I, I think um, for me, the, the question goes back to, um, am I speaking from a place of love or am I speaking from a place of fear? Um, As John teaches us, perfect love casts out fear. And uh, another way of thinking about that is that every thought, emotion, and behavior comes from either a place of fear or a place of love. We can trace it back um, to one of those two things. And so if I'm speaking out of a Thanksgiving holiday table, because I'm afraid that if I don't say something, it won't get said. I'm afraid that if my uncle votes a certain way, um, then that will impact people in this community in a way that I can't control. <laughs> um, then I'm actually kind of living from an agnostic place, even if I might call myself a believer, you know, because I'm basically saying, hey, I, I can't trust that the Holy Spirit's working at all. Um, and I kind of have to scramble to, to to say things or to to, um, to defend. Um, but i can I can say the exact same things that I would have said out of fear, but say them from a place of love, which is really a desire to um, to be in solidarity with people who have problems that maybe I don't personally face, but these issues impact them, and what my uncle thinks and believes and votes on matters um and so but i'm doing it more cuz i'm i'm taking a responsibility and i'm saying hey you know i'm i'm part of this family that that god created and i have a responsibility maybe as a privileged person maybe as a, someone who has proximal relationship with this uncle um, and some of these uh, the, the, the people who might be impacted by his attitudes might not have an opportunity to talk to him so i'm going to take this on as my responsibility um but it's not coming from a place of fear and so that's why that's why I think it's so important for us to be in tune with how we're how we're going about these conversations um, that said. <laughs> I think that from, um, I finished my second book over the summer, and it's about power, and it's, and it's really about how, how we're shaped by power, um, and those of us who are in spaces like Duke Divinity School, Wesley Seminary, or in positions of power, whether it's lay leadership or, or clergy in churches, um, we have been shaped by that, and there's a lot of research that shows that when you've been shaped by power, it's in your best interest to maintain the status quo. And to shy away from difficult conversations that might threaten some of the power that you enjoy, and so I, I really part of the reason why I encourage my students and have even at times made it an assignment to talk to their family about difficult conversations over the holiday table is because so many cultures that are shaped by power, whether it 's socioeconomically or because of gender or race, um, they they are not accustomed to the discomfort of difficult conversations. And I think that is a spiritual process and that's a spiritual journey of formation that we need to embark on.
0: I want to finish up with this observation because I think it's a brilliant one and and I, I put my own spin on it and you can tell me if you think it's helpful or not. Uh, you write this plan a Sabbath during your time with family. Uh, I think that is so good. And you, and you paint a wide, wide berth with that. Like, Go plan a night out with friends, plan, uh, plan some time alone in a, in a coffee shop or 20 minute walk, right some, some kind of time to realize that it's it's right to rest and to focus on God. Mm-hmm. Uh, my own spin on that would be uh, when I read the 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 Genesis narrative, right all of creation is done, and then God rests, so that the first day of mm-hmm. work for humankind is the second day. Right, it's they've had a day of rest mm. already when they've when they've enjoyed that privilege before mm. they work. And I might say, you know, start this time before before you're going back into time with family where there might be some anxiety, there might be some tension, especially if you are thinking about what am I going to say when such and such comes up. Is to is to have Sabbath mm-hmm. before that even starts. Uh, I thought it was a brilliant point that you made to, to plan Sabbath into this. Uh, mm-hmm. I just offer my own little spin there. Talk to us a little bit about why is Sabbath important. As you're prepping for these kinds of conversations,
1: Because these conversations are work. <laughs> <laughs> they're emotionally exhausting, yeah. they're scary. Yeah. Um, um, this is not something that many of us are trained to do, so it's really a formation process. We're gonna make mistakes. And so it's good to take some time and know, hey, you know what this after i'm gonna I'm not gonna let that comment slide that was actually really oppressive. But afterwards, I'm gonna kind of treat myself and I'm gonna to go to my favorite coffee shop and get, you know, a $7 latte or whatever. I'm just joking about that. But you know, just kind of you know, treat have something to look forward to, something that I can savor. Yeah. Um, and I think that's like, you know, just so healthy and you're right, it's laced into the creation story. And um, I think as much as we want to honor the image of God in others, we wanna honor the image of God in ourselves too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It really is a place of privilege when I, when I think about for most, for most of world history, um, not working has not been an option, right. Or it's, it's been an option for those mm-hmm. who are wealthy mm-hmm. work has often not been optional for, for most of humanity and, and especially not for those without resources. And so whenever God starts this story with rest, it's to show us our position. And, and whenever we are able to rest in God is holding all of this and that we don't need to take the the necessity of changing our family. We don't need to take the, it's not our responsibility to change other people. It's our responsibility to be faithful and to be genuine and authentic people. Then, then that starts to form mm-hmm. the story. And I love that. Like there's no, there's no reason God has built rhythmic rest into our, into the world, right? He's built rhythm, rhythmic Sabbath, not simply mm-hmm. every day, but also, or not simply every week, but, but elements of every day, right? Of, of rest. And I think mm-hmm. it's a really important reminder that you've given to us to 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 practice Sabbath uh, consistently in the midst of these times that are are kind of deceptive work. I think it's a great reminder for us.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're not invincible, that's for sure. And um, we want to be liked by our family. We want to avoid conflict. We want to, you know, some of us just want to get through this, (laughs) you know. Um, And so if we take seriously the call to be ambassadors, even with our family members, to be um, missionaries, even with our family members, even those that, you know, might identify as Christian as well, but, um, we, but we feel called to challenge some of the ways that they've interpreted scripture, the ways that they're living out their faith. Um, that's real work, and I think it's worth, it's worth acknowledging that.
0: Joining us today has been Dr. Christina Cleveland. Uh, Christina is the author of Disunity in Christ and look forward to your next book that's coming out uh, hopefully soon, Christina. But also she has written. Yes. <laughs> uh, uh, who uh, Tell us the, the title and who's, who's it coming out with?
1: Um, it's with Howard and um, the title is Power Trip, How Facing Inequality Sets You Free.
0: All right, Power Trip from Howard Press. We look forward to, to it coming on the shelves and encourage readers to take a look at Disenity in Christ as well. Uh, and also find you online. Uh, you can find Christina online Absolutely. by going to the website Christina with an E, ChristinaCleveland.com, ChristinaCleveland.com and accessing more resources there. And we also hope, listeners, that you'll check out some of the other resources from the Wesley Seminary podcast. Thanks so much for joining us today, Dr. Cleveland. Thank
1: you for having me. And
0: blessings to everyone this holiday season. Yes, and uh, hearty blessings from me as well. Thank you so much, listeners, for joining us and have a great day. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter under the name Wesley Seminary.